You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, bringing you the energy as always. And laying in his bed, I've got Dave. Buddy, you look cozy. How's it going? Pretty cozy over here. Uh, Going to be a little more cozy in a couple of days. You know, getting out of the Florida heat sounds great to me. Yeah, I'm sure it's getting out of the Florida heat that's going to make you a little more cozy. But I'm sure you got a great trip planned with you and the... Uh, you and the lady friend. So anyway, uh, welcome to Locked On Seminoles, folks. If it's your first episode, well, that means you are in dire straits. You are probably just trying to row through the doldrums of the offseason, and you have found your way to our podcast, and we are happy to have you. If it's your 150th time here, well, you know what to expect. We are fans first, people second, and way down in third, we're like pseudo-podcasters, right? They, they let us right. do this. They pay us to do this. I don't really get it, but hey, as long as they keep writing checks and you guys keep listening and I don't even really care about the checks, we're going to keep doing it. So I'm happy to be here and driving the news today. Mike, don't miss. That mother don't miss. <laughs> Comes out, out of nowhere. Not really out of nowhere. There was some smoke, but mostly out of nowhere off the top rope. Mike decides to hire Kenyatta Watson Sr. as director of player relations. Now, before we get into mr watson's background which is illustrious i want to point something out dave and i think we're going to be in the same position on this we now have around mike norvell a separate ceo of the florida state boosters a a dedicated chief of staff for the football program a director of high school relations and now a director of player relations so we have four people assigned to booster and recruiting outreach alone and then another one assigned or i guess sorry two people one assigned to boosters two assigned to recruits and schools and then one assigned to manage their day-to-day operations once they get in the program i don't care if mike norvell fails at this point it's just i mean i do care but it's just such a breath of fresh air to see what actual organization looks like yeah you know part of me wonders if after the Willie Taggart era, people didn't take a good look in the mirror and said to themselves, oh, this is what happens when you get cheap. It gets this bad. Yeah, and I, I'm maybe I'm wrong on this, and, and Drake will correct me if I am, but it doesn't hurt that we're also this time paying our coach a million dollars a year less, and we have a little yeah. bit more money for things like this. But it's just it, – it's cool to see with Mike because – I remember Trey Roland the first time we talked to him and we were giddy like little schoolgirls because he came on our podcast and he said, Mike Norvell knows how he's being scouted better than any coach in the country almost. And I think you're kind of seeing that here. He knows his weaknesses and he knows what he needs to fill in, right? So he knows he needs to get in good, good with the boosters. Boom, brings in a CEO specifically of that organization. He knows that he doesn't have strong Florida ties. So now, not only does he bring in a director of high school relations, he also has a director of player relations from the South Georgia area, knowing, again, that recruiting this area isn't his strong suit. He's making sure that's taken care of. He also brought in our friend, 
I guess he's our friend now from Miami and Florida. What was, was the, was the defensive Randy Shannon as an analyst yep. to improve those South Florida ties. Although that we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but that's an interesting one because there are two podcasts on our beat that I respect very much. Both of them that have like total opposite views of him. So I'm still kind of trying to talk to people and the boosters and the staff and figure out what to make of it with my sources. And I really don't know if he's, I don't know. That's, that's a big question mark that I think we'll see more about later in the year, but let's focus on Kenyatta. Dave, can I bore you with his bio real quick, just to give the people an idea of who he is? Do you mind? Can you indulge? Yeah, go for it. Thanks buddy. So Kenyatta Watson, his son actually is a a cornerback, I believe at Georgia tech. Kenyatta was a four-year letterman at Boston college back in 93, 94, 95, and 96. Then he went on to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, interestingly enough, will also serve as our pro scout liaison. I didn't even know we, that was a position. So if you're a young man who's thinking about going to the NFL, I mean, David, you, you're a lawyer. You went to law school, I assume, probably did to become one, right? Oh, I sure assume, did. Right. So I assume you went to law school trying to get a job or, or, or maybe something, something like that, right? So when you were looking at yep. law schools, probably a selling point was, well, what's your placement office like? Who, how are you going to help me find a job oh, once I get that piece of paper, right? Well, that's a conversation for a different time and different day. But let's say sure for the sake of this. <laughs> I asked the wrong guy. I feel like you're just like, oh, what's law school? Oh, you just fill out this application. Take this test. Like, okay. Anyway, yeah. So you look at the placement office, you look at placement services. So when you hear you have a guy who's a four-year letterman who played for the Dallas Cowboys now coming in to be your pro scout liaison, that doesn't hurt. Now in his high school coaching career, he coached at Grayson High School in Logansville, Loganville, Georgia, South Georgia area. From 14 to 2018, he was the director of football operations there. And in that four or five year span, helped 120 students get football scholarships. More importantly, and more interesting probably, which, I mean, those are great numbers, but in 2017, he developed and oversaw the Coach K National Middle School Showcase for sixth through eighth graders around the country. Well, let's, um, let's do a little math, David. If they were in sixth through eighth grade in 2017, that would put those sixth and seventh graders in the class of 2023 and 2024. We're so old. I'm just saying, I don't hate that. It's like the hangover thing where he's connecting the dots in his head. <laughs> a native of Deerfield Beach, Florida, so Drake already likes him. Um, yeah, no, this guy's a great addition to the staff. I'm, I'm honestly really excited about this for two reasons. One, his background. Two, at Boston College, he had 93 receptions, 1,200 yards, had another 110 on the ground, and 816 yards of kick returns, which is – oh, no, no, I'm sorry, 816 yards of punt returns and 1,400 yards of kick returns. That is insane. He ranked second in the NCAA in 1995 with two punt return touchdowns. But we're not going to go have him coach special teams and wide receiver because while we were on an airplane on the way back from Oregon, we got a little like, ah, screw it. Let's just have him go get on the field, right? We're going to actually have him stay in the position we're hiring him for. He's not going to screw up our, our coaching head count. And now again, we've got a dedicated guy for school relations. We got a dedicated guy for player relations. And that's just, again, it's just a breath of fresh air to have that kind of organization. I, I don't think there's really a finer point I can put on than that. Yeah, my, my two points, one of them is probably the same as yours was earlier, the self-awareness by Mike Norvell to 
realize what he may not be the best at and bring someone in that can help fill that void. But number two, and probably more importantly for me, is it reaffirms our school's commitment to returning to a high level of football. We weren't playing good football the last few years. We weren't spending the money. When you don't spend the money, you play bad football and it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. So something had to break the chain and it was probably pouring money in. I, I don't know that that's what's happened, but I have to assume that that's part of what's happening. If you're seeing all of these new hires, you're not seeing problems with there being water bottles in the athletic department apparently anymore. Oh yeah. Muscle seemed, milks or whatever it was. And they right. Told the kids they couldn't take them like what? Right. So it's just exciting to know that our school is like legitimately committed to pu- putting the money and resources in to actually compete again. Well, we're raising money too. If you go follow, um, Michael Alford on Twitter, you should follow the boosters. They've been doing a great job. Uh, shout out to Kyle Kashuk. He got me set up. He's out of Jacksonville. Got me set up with my booster contribution. I just re, uh, re-upped. So their fiscal year started uh, July 1st. So if you haven't re-upped your booster contribution, folks, please just go do it. It doesn't, like, I say this every time, it doesn't have to be a million dollars. It doesn't even have to be $150. 70 bucks makes you a booster. And I promise people want to see those numbers, right? Like the people who give 10, 20, $30,000 a clip, you know, the ones that write the really, really big checks, even above those levels, it's encouraging to them when they just see, hey, we added 1,500 new boosters this month or, you know, this season or whenever, whatever, we only have like 10,000. But, you know, if we take that 10,000, turn it to 15,000, that will motivate the people that write big checks to write bigger checks. They're not going to ask, well, how much is each individual giving on average? They're just going to see that there's momentum in the fan base, and that's going to make them, in turn, want to contribute more. So please... Join the boosters. You can go to, I think it's SeminoleBoosters.com. Google it. You can call somebody and they're super friendly. By the way, the boosters is an organization of people. I bug Kyle all the time now that just like to talk about football. It's what they do for a living. Call up the boosters office in your area, figure out, you know, get in touch with them, give them, give money, donate, see how you can help out and, you know, pick their brain about football a little. And when you're done with that and you, you get a little insight, well, you're going to want to go to betonline.ag. So, David, you are in the hot seat for today's betonline.ag line of the day. I know you haven't looked at these. We are going straight from the hip. Uh, By the way, side note, folks, next week we are going to bring you Danny's Dominoes for the first time. That is where we bring on professional gambler Danny Domino to give us some of his early picks for the season. But right now I got Dave. I don't have Danny. So, Dave, oh, man, which one do I want to pick? I'm going to have a good one here. Hang on. You were going to say, which one do I want to fade, but continue. Oh my gosh. That's just, okay. Okay. Can I just pause? This is not part of the, any kind of ad read or whatever. Betonline.ag folks, you get free money. Go there right now. Betonline.ag, make an account, promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. They'll put put $200 in. They'll give you a hundred on top 300. They have Florida state right now. Our over under win total is set at five and a half. I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm a homer. I'm so confident that we'll hit over five and a half. I would ha- I'm going to go hammer that after we uh, – no, I'm not because I don't gamble. But if I did, I would. So anyway, the betonline.ag line of the game. David, we got a team that you are high on. We got a team that you are worried about. Could make some noise if they get the right momentum behind it. He's coming into, I believe, his second year as head coach, third year as head coach with second year starting quarterback, four-star recruit out of Jacksonville. We have Georgia Tech regular season wins. 
Jeff and the Fighting Yellow Jackets, they're also at five and a half wins for their over under. You have a little bit of juice on the under. It's minus 120, but for the sake of argument, let's just almost pretend that doesn't matter. What do you think about Georgia? Oh, I'm sorry, they're at five. Georgia State's at five and a half. They're at Georgia five. State, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is at five wins over under. I forget the quarterback's name that was Jeff Sims is starting at quarterback. How do you feel about that win total right now? I, I hate I hate to say it because I am high on them. Uh, and I don't have a particular beef with Georgia Tech. I lived in Atlanta for a long time. I don't hate them. I, I, have you looked at their schedule? I mean, Oh, no, is it it's, terrible? It's nonsense. Let me read you some of the teams they play. Georgia, Notre Dame, Miami, Virginia Tech, Virginia, UNC, Clemson. <laughs> I mean, if they win five, more they're, than five they're, games. So they're realistically going to play probably four top 10 teams. If they win more than five games, they should hang a national championship banner in was it Bobby Dodd Stadium? Bobby Dodd Stadium, uh, yep. I, yeah. I mean, screw that. They should, they should name the they should name the next Atlanta Falcon Stadium after Jeff. Um, no, that's a, that's a tough schedule. All right, so y'all heard it here first. The BetOnline.ag line of the day under five wins. Georgia Tech minus one ten. You can go yeah. right now to BetOnline.ag. Make an account. Promo code locked on. Go to football. Go to NCAA football team wins. You'll see all of them there. If you have anything that you think smells suspicious and it's a lock and you want to see it featured on here, send it in. Hit me on Twitter, DM me, whatever y'all want to do, and we will feature it. Yeah, so I think that we talked a lot about the passing attack early in the week. Yesterday, we talked about a transfer coming in, which, fun fact, and not to get the last word, but I actually found this interesting, Dave, when we were having our conversation yesterday about the FCS transfer. And this is in no way a comment to how he'll turn out, but I'm not going to lie. I was a little shocked to see that there were like 150 people, which is 8% of the league on 53 man rosters last year from the FCS. That was just a shocking number. When I Googled it, I literally thought it was going to be like 35. So anyway, just thought I'd share that with the viewers. Cause I heard that and I was like, has a lot of people from the FCS on NFL rosters, but now we're going to talk about a transfer that isn't from the FCS, or as Dave calls it, MMA in an elementary school. <laughs> no, seriously, let's talk about the rushing attack, man, because we talked about the pass attack uh, before yesterday, and I don't really want to talk about, like, you know, go player by player, because I think everyone here kind of knows who's in the backfield, but right. I want to talk more about what do we expect the rushing attack to look like in a Mike Norbell offense, because, like, look at last year. Our, here, here, I'm going to go... I'm going to go down the line. Let me share my screen with you just so you have it. But I'm going to put it out there on the line. But let's just look at last year. So we go down and you look at how dispersed these, these rushing attempts were, right? Jordan Travis had the most of 97, but it's college. So I think that counts sacks. It does. Corbin had 81. LaDamian Webb had 69. Toa Feely, 37. And then it really drops off. But, you know, you see Treshawn Ward got two. Pokey got four. Ja'Kai Douglas grabbed six. Oh, James Blackman had 18. I forgot he was on the team last year. I um, did too. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, George, dude, remember he led, like, one of the best Florida State drives of all time in that first drive of Georgia Tech. And I was like, the team's back. We're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that hurt. What I mean, it threw, like, an absolutely – beautiful pass to cam mcdonald and then like the first time he got sacked old james blackman it just all came rushing back 
Sure did, Max. Anyway, we don't Can't have to relive that. So we know that Norbell likes to get, what's the word? He likes to get a little funky with his rushing attack. He likes to play around with different guys back there. What do you expect the rushing attack to kind of look like with, we now have Corbin, we still have Toa Feely, and we're making the addition of DJ Williams. Well, I'm going to start it on a little bit of an unconventional note. We like to look at advanced stats here sometimes. And Max and I tend to like football outsiders to get our stats for a lot of things. They med- they have this they have some stats specifically for the offensive line, right? And if you go look at 2 years ago's offensive line numbers, just be sitting down when you do it. But then you look at last year. We actually had the 17th most line yards generated for our running game of any team in the country. And if our offensive line even stays at that level, much less improves to any degree or like they did from two years ago to last year, you're going to see it. You're going to see a running game. That's going to be able to probably run power inside, run outside. They're going to be able to be a lot more dynamic with what they do in the backfield. If you have confidence in the blocking and they're actually generating forward yards in the running game. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I think that there is a misconception with this more spread style attack that we're just seeing in college football nowadays anyway. And, you know, Mike Norvell is going to bring that that means a lot of outside running, which it can mean that, but I I think there's so much value with this backfield of being able to go between the tackles. You have Jay Sean Corbin, who I believe is what six two two twenty five ish. He's Carlos Williams. He's a Carlos Williams type guy. He's huge, fast in the open field. If he can get there, but he can also run people over. Then you bring in DJ Williams from Auburn. If you haven't heard that name, that's fine, but you're going to hear it a lot more because he was electric at the spring game. His stats didn't jump off the page necessarily, but he is LaDainian Webb, the bowling ball, the five foot, 895 pound kid, but he's two inches taller and about 20 pounds heavier. He sits at about five ten, five eleven, probably more like five ten. They have him listed on ESPN at 208. He's bigger than that. I think the media yep. guide that we got at the spring game had him at 215-ish. Maybe, maybe I wanted to say 220, but maybe it was 210, 215. He finishes runs. He, he Let me put it this way. DJ Williams makes sure that he is not fun to tackle. And I love watching kids like that run the football because not that I was ever a huge hitter. I mean, look at me. I'm just, that's not my skill set. But boy, is it fun to watch a guy that can go up the middle and make linebackers reconsider the day that they decide to play defense seven, eight, nine, ten times in the first half. And then you can give it to a Lawrence Toafili in the second half to run the same, you know, counter or the same off tackle run or even to cut inside with a read option from Jordan Travis. And now that linebacker maybe isn't moving as fast. Maybe he's a half step slower. And Jordan Travis is able to break off an 85 yard run instead of an eight yard run. So I love having those two big bodies back there. Yeah. I'm huge on DJ Williams after that spring game. I mean, if you like, just look at his stats at Auburn, like to the naked eye, it might seem like, I mean, he had 599 yards in two years, right? Well, that's not really what you should look at. You should look at the fact that he had five yards of carry and, and just from watching him at the spring game, that kid has a motor that doesn't stop. And for somebody as big as he is, I expected him to be slower. I actually thought for that size, that's a quick dude back there. And I would be scared to get in the way of him running full speed at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And then again, you have, 
your big guy, Jay Sean Corbin, I just want to confirm. So he's six foot, not six two, but he is 220. So he's a big dude. I mean, he's going to run up the middle. And last year, Jay Sean also averaged five yards a carry. If y'all remember, he's who we got. He transferred in from Texas A&M. So at A&M in 19, he averaged four yards a carry, but that's when he messed up his hamstring. As a freshman, 2018 in the SEC, averaged almost six yards a carry with us last year, five yards a carry. Um, decent at catching the ball out of the backfield. He had 19 receptions for a six yard average. I mean, at Texas A&M, he only had 10 receptions, but you know, went for 85 yards. Now I will say last year was his best scoring year. He had five touchdowns the two previous years. He had two combined. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on him and dude, I, I don't want to, you know, it's funny. I get, I get worried like talking good about this team for too long because we're just so used to having to go, okay, but let's qualify everything. And I, I honestly feel like I guess we could qualify it with, okay, they're not Cam Akers and they're not Dalvin Cook, but right. I'm not confident that with Jordan Travis there to run that read option, if you go watch the one against North Carolina, you'll see why I'm so high on his read option. I mean, the ability to freeze guys at the line the way he can is insane. And I think we've agreed whether he starts or not, that's he'll, he'll be in there for packages doing that. So that is another runner back there. I was asking the other day in our group chat, do you find it weird that after the string of Devonte Dalvin and Cam that we don't have like a five-star blue chip running back wanting, you know, just lining up to come here and play. I, that's probably not fair, but setting that aside, we, we legitimately have an sec backfield. Like the one and two are probably two sec transfers that I think are very capable running backs and we're good coming out of high school. So I expect a lot out of this running game and you may not see like the 80 yard Dalvin runs, but you should see some really effective running. You should see a lot of first, you know, first down runs, not going for zero yards or, you know, getting stuffed in the backfield, both because of the offensive line and because of this power running game. Yeah. And this will be taken as sacrilege, but that's where I was going. When you add in the Jordan Travis component, I'm not convinced that this backfield can't be as productive as Dalvin Cook because when he ran for 15, 1600 yards, it was kind of just Dalvin. So, yeah, right. I, I'm pretty confident we can produce 2000 yards, close to 2000 yards on the ground with these guys. Another one that I, I didn't talk about, and I, I kind of just want to mention because he's easy to forget about. We haven't seen a ton from him last year. Ja'Kai Douglas, four star, Louisiana, really fast. He's also back there. Dante Sheffield, yeah. he's slippery. Kind of, he's a walk-on, but we saw him in the Arizona State game two years ago. He's also back there. So there are a couple guys that we really should – Corey Wren, he's probably going to play receiver, but he could also stand back there. I mean, there's – yeah. I'm talking about the holistic rushing attack too. Just like last year, we could see – we'll see Pokey doing some runs. Really confident in this running game, and I think it's the position group that I probably feel – not probably. It is the position group I feel best about. Um yeah, plain and simple. And if there is something in your car that you feel best about, but there's another part of your car that's kind of like our linebackers that you feel worst about, well, go to rockauto.com. Y'all know it. I say it all the time. I tell you day in, day out. I say, guys, go to rockauto.com. They got great prices. They got great selection. They're really easy to navigate, and they'll take care of you. Tell them Locked On sent you. Order your parts. Get them soon get that car fixed and make your car like the Florida state backfield. And once your car's like the Florida state backfield, you're going to want to make your fridge or your pantry or your freezer. If you're feeling crazy, 
like the Florida State backfield by ordering Built Bars. Go to BuiltBar.com. I've explained this to you numerous times. What's not to love? 17 to 19 grams of protein, 5 grams of carbs, 5 grams of sugar. Incredible ratio. And it's summer. Who doesn't love an incredible ratio? Get Built Bars. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Buy them now. Thank me later. So before we send the people on their way, I guess we might as well go ahead and flip it to the other side of the ball. The guys that are clanging and banging with these folks in practice every day. Do you feel any better about the linebackers yet? I took a shot at them during the ad read, but I. Uh... I look, I, I'm going to have to see it to believe it at this point. We have just not had the linebacker play of 90s Florida State since. I mean, Jesus Christ, what is it? Nigel Bradham and Christian Jones is the last time I think I felt really good about the linebacking core. Like we've had, I think Telvin was right after that, right? And he was a good linebacker, but we haven't had a good linebacking unit in so long that it's it's tough to convince myself to be excited about it until I see it. Yeah, it's been almost a decade. And I, you know, when I just look at it on paper, I'm just not, I really can't get that excited about it. I mean, I want to, sure. But the reality is right now, we've got two guys who are unproven in DJ Lundy and Steven Dix Jr., who I think could be really good. But we saw a lot of mistakes out of them last year. And the reality is, look, we can say all day, Max, you're being a dick. They're young. They made freshman mistakes. Great. Freshman mistakes lose you football games. And I'm not trying to be in the business of losing football games. So while I am sensitive and empathetic to the fact that they're freshmen and I have the foresight to say, hey, Maybe it means we're building something and I'm okay with freshmen playing summer camps over this year. We can't see freshman mistakes from those guys. And I'm not trying to be mean. You know, I love dicks. You know, I love Lundy. You can't, you can't miss reads this year and let Louisville run for back to back 85 yard touchdowns or whatever we did. You have to make tackles in space. You have to come down and set the edge. You have to make quarterbacks reconsider throwing over the middle and not have everything just be a pitch and catch with no pressure coming from the defensive line. Freshman year, we need to see the guys step up. I'm glad you said that because this is also the first time in as long as I can remember that we're not going to have a tandem of high caliber defensive tackles, right? Like we still have Robert Cooper and I expect a lot out of him. I do expect the D tackle unit as a whole to be solid, but Marvin Wilson, say what you want about him. He ain't there anymore. We don't have Eddie Goldman. We don't have Tim Jernigan. We don't, we don't have the inside of the defensive line to protect the linebacking unit behind it. I don't think like we have in the past. So I think they're going to be called on to do more than they've been called on in the recent past. And they can be exposed even more if they're not ready to play at a competent level. And that is scary to me. And that's exactly why I'm going to, I'm not going to expect a lot so that if they do even decently this year, if they make any kind of the jump, the offensive line did from two years ago to last year, I'm going to be stoked. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think, I think it's a wait and see on the interior of the defensive line too. And I, I wanted to keep it to linebackers, but you're right. You can't, the two are symbiotic almost because when we don't have that D line, like I, we're going to run a three man front this year. You almost think we kind of probably need to maybe run like a three, four, five, or, you know, maybe try to run some kind of fourth. I, don't, I just don't really see a three, four with this. I mean, I'm looking at the defensive linemen and it's like, who, who are you going to put on the inside? So you've got 
I guess I Malcolm mean, Ray in fake yeah. True Thompson. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, um, I guess I guess Jermaine Johnson could play kind of that stand-up, you know, floating linebacker DN tweener, right? Like I think he's fast enough to play that role, but I also would like to see him pin his ears back and get after the quarterback from the end spot. Yeah, I mean, you really just we we don't seem to have you know, we, we've got a lot of defensive ends on the roster, but in the middle, it's kind of, it's like, it's Cooper, it's true Thompson, but yeah, that's, so there is a bit of a dearth, there's a dearth of talent in the middle. And that is, I guess that that's about all the preview we need to do for that unit. There's a lot of question marks there, but I'm with you. I do expect Coop to have a big year. I don't hate true Thompson. I mean, I'm assuming he's still here. Um, he had a sack last year, which is more than pretty much, you know, 90% of our defense could say last year. So that's what I'm going to leave the folks with. I'm just going to say it one more time. It's not freshman year anymore. I was, I, I'm, I was fine with holding these guys hands last year, freshman year, COVID year, but I got to see Dixon Lundy produce. And if they're not producing, God help us because we're going to then be relying on what to Kalen Brooks. And I mean, Amar, by the way, we haven't talked about Amari Gaynor. I'm, I don't need to talk about Amari Gaynor. He's going to be what he's going to be. He's going to be a solid player. He's a good Great. athlete. He's not, no offense to the kid, but he would not have played on this team in any year that we. I fondly remember as a Seminole fan, Amari Gaynor would not have been on the field except for when we were winning by quite a bit, but that's not his fault, right? I'm not going to blame it on him. He is a good player for this team. Other than him, if Dix and Lundy don't get it together, um, I'm really, I am optimistic about this new transfer. We can agree to disagree on that, especially because I kind of, I mean, honestly, we kind of have to be because it's like we need more talent at the linebacker position. But I don't know. I'm excited to see what it is. Dave, you got any final thoughts for the people before we send them off on their Wednesday morning? Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go 14 and 0 or 15 and 0 and win the national championship this year. So obviously, the linebackers are gonna be good. And uh, Kenzie Milton for Eisman. I like that. You're um, what's it called when the guy wrote the book about the thing where you just think it and then it happens because yep. that's how that's how life works. So, folks, if you want something today, just think about it, just envision it, manifest it. It'll happen. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's going to do it for today. I'm your host, Max. Thanks for stopping by Locked on Seminoles. I had Dave next to me. We will see you all Thursday morning. Go Noble.